Tonight I want to continue the series that we have begun, The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. I want to I continue it. It is Psalm 46, verse 10 holds the grounding. I believe this is the 14th iteration of this. Prayerfully, when this is over, we'll turn it into a pamphlet or book or something to distribute it to you so you can have it to go over. And I know a lot of the concepts have come fast and quick. Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You know, one of the things that's been on my mind, given all this going on in the world today, I've been thinking a lot about the love of God and what that love means for us. And I've really been, been determinative in my spirit to, to, to see if, if I could unpack what the love of God looks like and how essential love is to ministry and to our daily lives. I believe that we have lived so much of our lives in the pursuit of our own happiness agendas, much of which was not based on love, but on materialism or some sort of lust, some sort of desire, some sort of uh, envy of what a neighbor had. We spent a lot of our lives going after things we become unspiritual we become we become self we become ego and the ego begins to drive the the train of our lives so that the ego driven train makes us think about me myself and i and that the trinity of me myself and i is the only one that really counts and then when we add other people to our grouping, maybe our immediate sphere through relationships or love or some kind of binding of interest, we begin to maybe include them in our sphere of love appreciation. But it is always at our will. We decide who is bought in, or who is kept out of our love circle. And we, we make those choices. We can either allow people near us or not near us. Uh, we can say someone is worthy of our love or they are not worthy of our love. If they look different than us, if they, uh, if they come from a different place, if they speak a different language, if they have different... Um, proclivities that don't line up with your value system, if they come and, and they present themselves as not all that you want them to be in terms of your social standing in class, then you determine whether or not they are worthy of your love or even your interest in their lives. And I, I, am, I am assured of this, that it is the lack of love is a sign of unspirituality. That a person is unspiritual. I know that many people come and they want to think of spirituality in terms of one's mystical gifts. That one has the anointing and power from on high. 
This will probably bother some of you when you hear it, but please don't be overly offended by it and don't lose your salvation because of it. But some of the most gifted people I know are not necessarily the best people I know. Gifts and callings are without repentance. So don't fool yourself because someone has a flowing gift that all of a sudden they're, they're deeply spiritual. No, they may have come into an understanding. They may have begun to develop a gift that God has placed in the earth realm for them. They may be functioning in that gift. They may be acting in that gift, but that is not necessarily the indication that that gifted individual is in some greater standing with God. I hate to say it, but I do believe that there'll be some gifted people that in hell they will lift up their eyes. If there be well, any justice, some people who may think that they're all that are not all that in God's eyes. Lord, did not we preach in your name? Lord, did not we do this in your name and that in your name? And then the scripture says, he said unto them, depart from me. Ye work of iniquity, I know you not. I warned all preachers and teachers and leaders of the gospel to recognize that the fact that you are called and maybe people even hear your words does not give you an inoculation against your own punishment based on your life. Well, that's kind of harsh. Let me sweeten the pie. What I suggest tonight is that you learn that God is calling for us to live a different kind of way. That, that the true disciple of God has a different way of embracing life, a different way of carrying themselves. And some of you, when you hear this word, you're going to say to yourself, I need to work on my discipleship. I need to come into a new step, a new level in my discipleship. And that may be the situation. So for me, if we were to look now at Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14, give us an understanding of the expectancy. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. Here's what he says. So chosen by God for this new life of love. Let me say it again. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. And then he's going to tell us what the wardrobe is. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. You really want to start knowing discipleship at a higher level? Discipleship at a higher level is seen in love. 
And in my estimation, and I blame this on no one but myself, I say this to you, that the unspiritual life is affirmation of a lack of love. The unspiritual life is affirmation of a lack of love. You can't be godly spiritual. I've just told you I'm not, I'm not equating spirituality with spiritual gifts. You can't be godly spiritual, deep intimacy with God, experiential relationship with God at a deeper, truer level unless you have learned love. So I want to try to do this in a unique way tonight because I, I, I tend to believe that most of us read Scripture based on our place where we entered into the, the family of God. And most of us who are listening to me now, we're Christians, and that's where we start our relationship with the, with the walk. But this is for anyone. Recognize that when you read the Hebrew Scriptures, or what we call the Old Testament, you're reading really the Jewish Scriptures. Let me put it this way. No Christian wrote any book of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. They're the Jewish texts. We may see Jesus in it, and we see how it relates to the New Testament, but no Christian wrote that. It's really going to bother you right here, but I want to give you another, another truism. When you read anything that Jesus spoke, he didn't speak it as a Christian because Christianity had not yet existed. He spoke it as a Jew, which means we need to understand Jesus through his Jewish understanding so that we could see the shift that he takes in what would be the new covenant that God was bonding with the church. So I want to use this example. So go, turn with me now to Mark chapter 12. And I'm going to look at it twice, so, but, so put your finger there and come back to it again. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 34. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked them, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Now, Jesus doesn't stop. He goes on. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and, all the, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all of the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. 
That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. Jesus says to him, boy, you, you really, you might have it. You're close to a deeper understanding just by the way you spun back to me what I just said to you with an understanding of his truth. Because notice the young man added to it. He says, he said, this is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. The young man seems to understand that if one were to live this love ethic that Jesus was expounding, that it was greater than everything the burnt offering or sacrifice would bring in bringing one into relationship with God. That the real goal of the law was to help them to enter into love and love of God, which would transmit into love of others. And on that, if that could be accomplished, there would be no need for any more burnt offerings or sacrifice. Interesting. What Jesus quotes to him, and let's, let's walk through his Jewishness for a moment. I'm going to come out on the other side, but stay with me. What Jesus quotes to him is what is known as the Shema. The Shema. The Shema is taken from the first word of that, of that what is recited as prayer. It is here. So today, many Jews quote that night and day. Every morning and every night, they quote the Shema. The Shema, which is a liturgical prayer, prominent in Jewish history and tradition, that is recited daily at the morning and evening services. And it expresses, really, the Jewish people's ardent faith and love of God. They quote it every morning. They quote it every evening. Now, that, that, is, that is interesting. Every morning, every evening, they quote a scripture on love every morning and every evening. Matter of fact, that same passage is placed into what is called a mezuzah and is affixed to the doorpost of every Jewish home to fulfill the biblical commandment to write the words of God on the gates and the doorposts of your home. So every Jewish home has, a, has one of those. They come in all different colors and sizes and they are different shapes. But inside of each is a small scripture written there with those words that I, of, the, of that wonderful prayer. They're there on the doorposts of their house. I, I wanted to, to see if I could let you understand what it would sound like. So I, I, I searched around. I found this young lady who is going to pray, uh, give us the, the Jewish uh, words there. I'm not a Jewish scholar. I don't try to be. I, I, I can give you somewhat of an overview, but I want her to give it to us in their, in their native language. The Shema is Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Leolam Ve'ed Ve'ahavta Et Adonai Elohecha V'kol Lavecha U'v'kol Nefeshacha U'v'kol Meodecha So slowly, it's Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Leolam Ve'ed Ve'ahavta Et Adonai Elohecha 
בכל לבלך ובכל נפשך ובכל מאודיך. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his name whose glorious kingdom is forever and ever. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Really interesting. She gives to us this wonderful Shema and she helps us to hear it both in what would have been the native tongue and would probably be more closer to the Kendala language that Jesus would have spoken it in when he shared it with them. Now, whenever we dedicate a child, we dedicate a child and we use the dedicatorial um, ceremony and part of it comes from Deuteronomy 6, which is that which you're supposed to teach to your children. So we use that dedicatory piece and we want them to know that it is our obligation to teach our children. So if you look again, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I want you to grab this. This is really good here. So you got to grab this. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9, and I'll quickly run through it. He says, now I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version here. Now this is the commandment that these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson and all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, and here's here where we start. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised and the land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, the promises of God are going to flow from the observance of this word. The promises of God, watch what it says. He says that, the, that you're going to get the promises that were made to the fathers that are going to come through to you as you live this out in your lives in the land of milk and honey. Here is the start of the recitation. We call the prayer, it's really a recitation or a proclamation about their commitment to God. Verse 4 and 5 are the, are the pieces there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach of them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them, he says, as a sign on your hand, and, as, and they shall be as fontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, now we, we're going somewhere. So here it is. I already showed you where they put on the doorpost. He then told them to bind it on their hands, he says, and put it as fontless between their, their foreheads. So the telephin is, is a pair of black uh, leather boxes containing the Hebrew parchment scrolls. And, and, and those scrolls, those, that, that's it, that, that's where telephin, that, 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 that is those scrolls in many um, Jewish communities are placed in these leather boxes 
from kosher animals, the leather is kosher, and then they place it there, and the scriptures are written out very delicately, and they must be written out perfectly, and they, they have to be done absolutely right. It has to be the exact number of words, of, of letters. I think it's 1,590 letters. It has to be the exact number. One letter over, you have to throw it away. And then they teach their children. You see the father with his talit on. He's got it on his, on his fauntless of his head. And now he's teaching his son how to wrap his hand so that he puts it on his hand so that when he prays, he can pray with it on. And there's, there's even one where even in, in the military, a military soldier there who was standing there behind him, if you look closely, is a tank. And yet he puts his, 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 his thing on himself, the telephone on, he wraps his hand, he opens up his scriptures, and he is reading as he has been taught from a child. And no matter how old you are, if you notice I've started from the young, to the medium, now to the old. Here's the uh, senior gentleman, a ribby there. Hand wrapped, head. And that's what the leather straps look like. Now, it's interesting to me that, that that's the tradition, and I'm not saying Jesus kept that tradition, but that's the tradition as it is currently being lived out in many Jewish communities. Now, please know that the Jewish community is not a monolithic. So the practice of various parts of covenant are, are done differently in different communities. But one thing is done consistently through all, and that is this, this Shema, morning and evening. That's done consistently among everybody. Everybody does that. How the other parts get practiced, whether they, are, whether they rap every time that they, they pray in the morning or not, depends on the community they're from. But, but, but what, what is interesting to me is what happens in this text as Jesus responds. So let's go back and revisit it because you'll see it now, I believe. The question in verse 28, if you look at the text, this is Mark 12, verse 28. Mark 12, verse 28. The question is, which is the first commandment of all? That's the question. Which is the first commandment? Jesus' response is, this is the first commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord uh, of God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first commandment. End of statement. I've given you your answer, but Jesus doesn't stop. He says, and the second, like it, is this. That's the first, but this second is just as important and must be elevated with the first commandment. Watch where we're going here. He says, in the second, which is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, then there is no other commandment greater than not the first, but the first and second combined than these so that it is it is the proclamation of monotheism the lord our god is one it is the proclamation that we are to love god with all of our hearts minds and souls but then that final part for us is that that we are to then extend the love of god to everyone 
to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now this is, this is where it gets interesting. This is why Jesus, when, when the young man comes back, if you're paying close attention here, when the young man comes back and he says to him, well said teacher, you've spoken the truth, for there is one God and there's no other but, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. This young man has now walked in an interpretation of the Shema. He's walked in an interpretation of what it really means to love God. And what he's walking in now is that if one can live this out in totality, that what one will have done is you will have exceeded the very purpose of the offerings and the sacrifices. And when Jesus heard that, it got his juices flowing. He looked at that man and said, hot diggity dog, I finally got one. You are not far from the kingdom. You have got it. You understand something that other folk don't understand. The, 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 the sacrifices have been made to bring you closer to God in relationship. But if you're actually going to live this, you are in relationship. The intensity of it is to understand that a loving spirit is the epitome of God consciousness and the required response to divine love. A loving spirit is the epitome of God consciousness and the required response to divine love. Wow. I need a loving spirit. Uh, Lionel Richie said, Jesus is love. <laughs> you, you, we, 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 we need that kind of love that we walk in it and if one is truly a God conscious individual truly connected in prayer and relationship on a daily basis that one has to function in a loving spirit now I know I just messed somebody up because you got an attitude already you were, you were mad when you got online and now I'm talking about uh, that you got to have a loving spirit as the epitome of your God consciousness. And now you get mad at me because you just don't know people get on my nerves. I know they do. People get on my nerves too. That's a fact of life. Stuff goes wrong. You get bad. Yes, things. But, but having a loving spirit doesn't mean you're not affected by mistreatment or, or that you don't see when people talk about you or scandalize your name. It, it means that you don't lose your character because of what others do. You remain in the spirit of love. You remain who you are. You remain a believer. You remain a disciple. You remain calm. You remain even-tempered. You hold yourself together because you hold yourself accountable not to them but to God. And you don't want to do anything to get you out of your God relationship. 
You don't want to have to go back to ground zero trying to pray all day because you think you done messed up on God and now you're feeling bad. No, you want to stay in a place where you're fluid, where the Spirit of God can enter you and you can know God's presence at a deeper level. Let me tell you this. Love is the ultimate expression of divine presence and the greatest gift of all. Love is the ultimate expression of divine presence and the greatest gift of all. No greater gift. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Because you cared for me in such a special way. That's why I praise you and I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I love you. I love you. I love you. Lord, today, because you cared for me in such a special way, that's why I praise you, and I lift you up, and I magnify your name. That's why. Jesus, I feel something now. Jesus is the ultimate personification of the divine principle of, dem of demonstrative love never failing. Jesus is the ultimate personification of the divine principle of demonstrative love never failing. Jesus. When I said he's love, He's the ultimate personification. How God took all of God's own self and compressed God's goodness and love into human form so that God could demonstrate a love unfailing an acquaintedness with sorrow, an awareness of sorrow, and, and an acquaintedness with grief, and, and how God could minimize God's own inclination for maximization to be present in the midst of our struggle. I, 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 I want to say this. God is, God is wonderful, and the, the spiritualizing energy within a person who is in union with Christ is love. Uh, this is going to mess somebody up because uh, the spiritualizing energy within a person in union with Christ is love. What do you mean? I, 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 let me put it like this. It was love that sent the Holy Spirit. 
It was love that died at Calvary. It was love that sent the Holy Spirit because one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, is that he is a comforter. And it is love that comforts us. God's expression in the earth realm is the utter expression of love before us. And our greatest identification with the Imago Dei image of God is the display of that love. The test of who we are is how close can we get to the selflessness of such love. Okay. My, 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 I have three things I want to say before I close. Because these are important to me to get out in this love ethic tonight. Because what you need to realize is this. I know when we study the word love, we want to deal with the Greek and the agape and the philios and all those. I, I'm, Jesus wasn't Greek. The words are written in Greek, Pauline stuff. But that's not the point now. The point here is what was God trying to get at in all of this? <sighs> Here it is. Here it is. Union with Christ. Union. And this is all about communion, union with Christ, unification, being together, united in Christ. Union with Christ is afforded by an act of love. Union with Christ. You, you can't even, you can't even unite with Christ without an act of love. You, union with Christ. And, and, and by union with Christ, I also mean union with God. And it is afforded to us by an act of love. The reason Jesus could say to the young man, oh, you're not far from the kingdom, is because Jesus recognized the same thing he told to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said to them, you, you, you miss it. It is the divine relationship of love that is most important. You miss it. You think that ritual takes the place of relationship. You miss it. The one of the things that the church has learned during this pandemic is that the ritual is to increase the relationship, but the ritual does not make the relationship. So that when we do communion and we go through the, the steps that we normally would take when we're in person and in church, it is only to increase the relationship. It is to be there, be present, to receive the body and the blood and to take it in. But not having the ritual does not take away the relationship, nor what the ritual can mean, even if it has to be changed in this season so that we are reminded of the relationship with God wherever we are. Union with Christ is afforded by an act of love. How, how do you know that? Um, John 3, 16 and verse 17, here's what he says. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life.
And then I love verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That, that, act, that, that, that union with, with Christ affords us, the, that act of love affords us a relationship with God that we could not otherwise have. I, I, I actually believe that the thing that connects us to God is the new birth relationship where the old false self can die and the new self can live in Christ so that the alive awoke person can be in relationship with the divinity of God and know it and experience it through Jesus Christ. Uh, here, here uh, I, I offer something else. Union with Christ is attached by acts of love. It's attached by acts of love. I, I, I don't have time to read it all. I wish I did. But, but, but get down Romans 8, verse 31 through 39. I might skim read a little bit of it. Romans 8, when you get it, you just, you, ooh, this is so good. Ooh, my God. I'm going to skip down. I'm going I'm to skim down. Um, verse, verse 35. Verse 35. That's I'm going to jump down to verse 35. He says, who shall ever separate us from what? The love of Christ. Well, if it wasn't that important, why we worry about being separated? He said, who shall us separate us? We have been attached by this love. He says, I tell you what, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Somebody ought to be shouting right there. No matter what I go through, I'm still a conqueror and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whew. The unlimited love of God which is embodied in Christ Jesus our Lord. Unlimited love. Oh, what love he had for me that he would give his life. I hear you, I hear you. for me now here's where I'm going to start wrapping it up I'm going now to this last little section uh, I, 
I'm, I'm going to try not to, I'm going to try not to stay in too long, but I got to get you, I got I to gotta put this out here because this is going, it might bother somebody, but I want you to come back home. You see, what, what our Jewish brothers and sisters speak of every morning and every evening, that love of God and that love of neighbor is what you and I ought to be living every morning, every evening, and all in between. Okay, here's, here's the last point of the message. Here it is, and this is gonna bless you. When you get this, you gonna, it's gonna bring your mind into peace. Let's see, when you realize you don't have to compete with anybody because you've already been completed by Jesus, when you realize that nothing can happen in this world, I don't care anything about a pandemic, I don't care about life or death, nothing can happen in this world to separate you from the love of Jesus, from the love that God has already demonstrated that you are his and he belongs to you, then guess what? You get to this last thing. Union with Christ is affirmed by acts of love. Union with Christ. I'm just so grateful for all y'all in the chat rooms is just typing these things up. I see you over there. Y'all doing such a great job. Keep on putting them in there. Putting one, putting them in. Minister Sharice, just be typing away and getting that. Keep putting these down. Keep putting them down. Union with Christ is affiliated, is affirmed. By acts of love. Okay, let me give you a couple scriptures to back my point up. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Sometimes you need to just read the whole of John 13. Just read it for yourself. Get some edification. Listen, John chapter 13, 34-35. Listen, a new commandment I give to you. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't I just tell you that Jesus made a shift? Didn't I say that he made a shift when talking to the young man and lifting the second commandment up as high as the first commandment of love of God and saying that the neighbor meant something to him as, more, as importantly? And then Jesus comes back and says, if you didn't get it that way, let me break it down to you one more time. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, as I have and am loving you. That's what it can say. That you also love one another. And then he really breaks it down in case you didn't get it there. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Ooh, I could dance right there. I don't want you to ask anybody because I, I don't want you to get hurt. If you really had to ask anybody for an assessment of how you demonstrate love or the love you walk in, how do you think they'd grade your love work? Do, do, do people think that you're mean? Um, that that movie, I think it was Kingdom Come, where where Whoopi Goldberg was in there. I think Whoopi was in that movie. 
and they talked about her husband who had passed away and uh, her response was he was mean and surly there, there are some people that are just mean and surly I'm asking you now if this is the way that Jesus said I'll know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another how your discipleship looking okay we're going to quiet this mind now let's quiet it in the love chapter 1 Corinthians 13 I got the living Bible. That's going to mess somebody up when you hear it this way. It's going to mess somebody up. This is important you get this now. Here it is. I'm going to read the living Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Get your Bibles real quick. We got a few minutes left. I got enough time. I saved time just to do this. He's now, he's now looking at an issue, and he's, not, he's writing this to resolve a problem. Of, between the gifted people within a particular given place. This is not an indictment against giftedness, so don't hear it that way. But what he is saying is, your giftedness needs to be backed up by your love. Your walk with God, backed up by love, has meaning. And let me say this this way. The more the love of God is in you, the more you can connect to the love of God, both within you and external to you. The more you can have access to the infinite, unlimited love of God. And guess what that gives you? The more access you have to the infinite, unlimited love of God, what you get then is the, un the infinite and unlimited peace of God. Because in God's love rests God's peace. Okay, come on. Beginning in verse 1. If I had the gift of being able to speak in other languages without learning them, and could speak in every language that there is all over heaven and earth, but didn't love others, I'd only be making noise. Let me tell you something. Some folk just making noise. Just making noise. If I had to give the prophecy and knew all about what was going to happen in the future, knew everything about everything but didn't love others, what good would it do? Even if I had to get the faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything I have to poor people and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. Love is very patient. Oh, man, stop right there. Pause. Let me just say this now. If you are struggling with your patience, then what you're really struggling with is your love. I know I just hit somebody below the belt. Come on back up. That was a gut punch. Come on, get up. He says, love is kind. If you're really struggling with being kind to others, you're really struggling with your love. Love is never jealous. If all you do is look around and you are envious of what other people have, jealous or envious, he, he says, something wrong with your love. See, I don't care what you have. I'm going to rejoice with you. You get a new job, I'm happy. You get a new car, ride them. Matter of fact, if I can fit in it, give me a ride. 
Listen, I'm not going to, what you talking about? I don't, Lord bless you with a house. Woo, glory. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you are my row in church and God give you a new house, I'm going to outshout you. You know why? Because I know he's in the neighborhood. Because he blessing you. It won't be long before I get mine too. Never mind. I, that, that was a church shout right there. I'm sorry. I got, got a little excited. He, said, he, says, he says, understand something now. He says, it's never boastful or proud. Never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do you wrong, do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You'll always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground defending them. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end. Well, we're not going to really need to be speaking in tongues and laying hands in heaven. We're not going to need to give the miracles in heaven. Anybody sick in heaven? He said there's a tree whose leaves are good for the healing of a nation. You don't worry about sickness in heaven. So the, all the gifts are going to, going to cease. They're going to come to end. But love goes on forever. Someday prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge, these gifts will disappear. Now we know a little, so little, even with our special gifts and the preaching of those most gifted is still so poor. But when we have been made perfect, when we have been made perfect, when we have been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate special gifts will come to an end and they will disappear. He says, when we get there, they'll disappear. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I became a man, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood. And now I have put away the childish things. In the same way, we can see and understand only little about God now, as if we were peering at his reflection in a poor mirror. But someday we're going to see him in his completeness, face to face. Now all that I know is hazy and blurred, but then I will see everything clearly, just as clearly as God sees into my heart right now. Stop, hold the presses, hold the presses. He says, God sees not the outward facade, but into my heart. Um, excuse me. When God looked into your heart today, what did he see? I hope it was love. You know the end of this text. Do I really need to? I guess I'll give it to you. There are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You need to put on your sheet and remind yourself that love goes on 
love goes on forever. Forever. Because love is from everlasting to everlasting. It existed before the world and it will exist when this time-space world comes to its end. Because we have been created in love. And so too has his entire creation of which we have been given stewardship of. And it is an understanding of love at that level that lets us understand the desire of God to be in loving relationship with us and to spend time with us and to grant us the peace of the relationship because we can have total peace wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in divine love. And there's nothing more important than the peace of God which surpasses all understanding which is in love. Guess what? Every believer needs to realize that the real goal for your life is to have a life filled with love. That's not sensual. That's not friendship. No. Those things are part of the living of this natural life. No, the love he's talking about is that love that created all and that sustains all and that will see you through all and will give you peace in the midst of it all. Guess what, y'all? I'm a fan of BLM, Black Lives Matter, but I came to tell y'all tonight, love matters. <laughs>